Hello and welcome to the Pediatric Network. Today we're going to be chatting with Professor Velma Lubbe from South Africa. She's been involved in a paper titled Breastfeeding During the COVID-19 Pandemic. It's a literature review for clinical practice. Wonderful gems that we're going to discover for practitioners as well as for parents. So a little bit of background on the prof. Prof Velma Lubbe is a professor in nursing and midwifery at the Northwest University School of Nursing Science as part of the midwifery team and responsible for neonatal training. Prof Lubbe published over 38 peer-reviewed articles, presented 72 national and 19 international conference posters and papers, and a number of professional as well as parenting articles. Her research focus in the field of neurodevelopmental supportive care of the preterm infant. She is the academic advisor on the neonatal community of practice of the Life Healthcare Group, as well as the owner of Little Steps, a parenting support organization for parents with premature infants. It's a well-known brand, both nationally in South Africa and on an international level. Professor Lubber is further the president of the South African Neonatal Infant and Toddler Support Association, SINITSA, since 2004. She is the project lead for INDESC, the implementation of neurodevelopmental supportive care, and of course, Starfish. During 2017-2018, she was the South African country survey leader for a 36-country survey to determine compliance with NeoBFHI implementation of BFHI in the neonatal wards. Internationally, Prof Lubber serves her third term as South African representative on the Council of International Neonatal Nurses since 2010. She has been invited as the first member from Africa to serve on the Gravens Developmental Care Consensus Panel and is the first person outside of Europe to be invited as a member of the separation and closeness experiences in the neonatal environment, SEEN research group, since 2014. Professor Lubber has been serving on the International Advisory Board of the Journal of Neonatal Nursing since 2009, and she currently holds the position of International Advisor. Without further ado, Professor Velma Lubber. Hello and welcome to the Pediatric Network. My name is Mike Marinas. I'm your chiropractor and host here for All Information Pediatric. And I am very, very glad to welcome back Prof. Velma Lubber. How are you doing, Prof? Good morning. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Oh, of course, of um, course. The paper, and I was just saying to you as well, um, I came across it because I have this morning ritual where I love to just sort of run through PubMed because that's 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 me uh, in the mornings just to see what's happening, put some little things together for our social media. And there was a wonderful paper of breastfeeding during the COVID-19 pandemic, a literature review for clinical practice. And I went, ooh, and then I looked at the author and then I went, ooh. Lovely. So I got hold of you straight away. So thank you very much for putting this together. It's fantastic. I can't wait to go through it. Thank you very much. And I really hope it will make a difference and make it easier for mums and professionals working in this difficult pandemic context. Uh, anything to make to make it easier. Right, Prof, talk us through the paper. I am I, I'm I'm so keen. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm going to screen share. I think that will be the easiest way to maybe run about it. 
Um, so this is an open access article, which is great. It means everybody can get hold of it. So if you just type in the, um, the text here, the, the article name and maybe my surname and the year, then the article will come up. Um, and then you can also download it in a PDF format if you are interested. So yeah, it can be very boring working through a whole article. So I'm just gonna highlight some of the areas which I think will be interesting. Um, so the article came about um, amidst of the COVID pandemic uh, last year, 2020, when we realized that the mothers are being separated from their babies, fathers aren't allowed into the hospitals, and we have this whole crisis with uh, parents and infants being separated, trying to um, make it better for them and protect them from being infected. So the one important area that is very important in the development of the child is, of course, breastfeeding. So we want safe breastfeeding, but we also need that not to be separated because that's a big part of, um, of child development. So we thought, let's look at two of the aspects of breastfeeding, the, the one being the breastfeeding characteristics and how breastfeeding can actually prevent or protect against COVID. Um, so the clinical characteristics of COVID is the one thing to look at, and then the protective properties of breastfeeding would be the other thing to, to look at. And all of that falls within a um, model or a framework of neurodevelopment. So protecting the baby's brain is the best, is the, the main aim that we have, even though we talk about breastfeeding. Cool. So, as you know, we don't have a lot of evidence available at this point, and we didn't have when the article was written. Um, we wrote, started writing the article about February or March um, in 2020, and that the pandemic started the previous year in December. So there was really only a little bit of evidence available and definitely no clinical trials to go on, which we usually find the, the gold standard evidence. Um, so you can read through the article about the background. I think most of the people know the background of where it started. Um, just maybe to highlight, it started in China in December 2019 and then spread. Um, and then uh, we know also it started in the seafood market and then it spread to other countries, Japan, Thailand, Singapore, uh, Korea, United States, Australia at that point. And then it wasn't very long. Then it spread to UK and to South Africa and all of the rest of the world. So now we sit with this pandemic all over the world. Um, so WHO jumped in, they tried to pr provide some guidelines, um, and at that point, only the older people were really at risk, and we know that this landscape has changed in the last year. Also, our 40-year-old um, people or even the younger people also get COVID and they die from that. So that brings us to the point where mums can also then get COVID, especially when they now are pregnant, and then the question becomes, Okay, the mum is at risk, but what about the baby? And we, we want to protect them, so how do we go about and do that? So there was a little bit of evidence available. There is a, a, a table um, in here which provides all the evidence. So I'll show you in a moment that. Um, so what we've done, we've done a literature review. So just for everybody that's not so uh, familiar with research and the method, so a literature review is a systematic review of all the literature that we have available. So we look at the literature that was published, but we also look at the quality of the publication to make sure that everything that has been said in this article and deducted as suggestions or recommendations, that it's actually based on good evidence. 
So we looked at that evidence and from that evidence then we compiled a list and tried to compile some um, recommendations for both clinicians and parents to use and guide them through this whole process. So that, that's the, the research part. So for everybody that's more in, um, interested in that. So if we look at the COVID, um, uh, the, the virus itself, now I need to declare I'm not a virologist, so I, I can't go into detail with that. So I clearly work with the evidence that I have at hand. But what we know about this and what we understand about this is that the virus is transferred via respiratory droplets, such as coughing and sneezing. So the droplet can then land on a healthy individual. It can be inhaled and it, it, you're in close proximity. And that is the way that it's actually transmitted. We also know that it's really not an airborne virus, it's not transmitted over long distances. So we know that personal protective gear will be helpful in protecting um, mothers and babies. So the Lancet then um, came out with an article and um, what the evidence is and what we know. So what we know at this stage about pregnancy is that the virus is not really transmitted in utero. I think we have one case where we think that um, there was a transmission in utero. All of the rest was after birth. So um, that tells us that the, the mom is fairly protecting the baby. So what they've done, they looked at percent of blood, they looked at um, amniotic fluid, they looked at cord blood, and all of that didn't have the virus in, so telling us the virus is not transmitted in that way. So that set our mind a little bit at ease. Um, and then they also looked at breast milk samples and saw that the virus is actually not in the breast milk. So this is the nice part about breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is protective. So breastfeeding protects us about uh, uh, on almost anything but especially in the pandemic. So the mother, even if she had COVID, will have antibodies. The antibodies can then go into the breast milk and the baby can get the antibodies. So the baby is being immunized as the mom is breastfeeding. And that is our good news about breastfeeding. So the antibodies are there, but in general, the baby's immunity is much better when mom is breastfeeding. So the, the benefits of breastfeeding is really at this stage outweighing the possibility of the baby getting sick from COVID. Um, and there was a few children that did get COVID, but it's really such a small number that it's, it's case studies that's been reported. So one year, one day, it's not, it can't even uh, become a whole study. Okay, so the breastfeeding properties is really the general things on breastfeeding. But the important part is how then did we get to the guidelines? What do we suggest? So there's the table that I've mentioned, the suggested guidelines for breastfeeding during COVID or any pandemic for that matter. So if we go to that table, you can just click there, click there then you go to the full size. So in this table, we have the following. We um, try to categorize a little bit and then provide some guidelines. And then more importantly, what are the evidence that is supporting this guideline? So in general, um, for infants, avoid separation of mums and infant diets, including infection control precautions. So we know that separation of the mother and the baby have detrimental um, effects on both feeding and bonding. And feeding and bonding is very much linked to each other. Um, and then the, all the references in the references, you can have a look on where the studies then come from. 
So if a mother, um, an infant and a mother with suspected COVID, so she's potentially exposed or she's symptomatic, but well enough to breastfeed, what do we do in that case? So then we jump to this area. So you continue to breastfeed, but apply infection control protections with specific attention to droplet protection. That means wear a mask, wash your hands, remain in close proximity with your baby and continue to breastfeed. So um, all the laboratory confirmed cases are isolated and the, the mums are, um, so the mum and the baby are cared for together in the health facility or at home if they're healthy enough, but then mum will wear a mask. But an important thing to remember here is we need the communication. You need to somebody to see somebody's whole face in order to have good communication, communication development. And again, this is where development of feeding fits in very nicely. For in order for a baby to develop communication, they need to do some feeding stuff as well. So breastfeeding is when the baby will see the mother's face. So it would be preferably that you use a mask that the baby can actually see your whole face. So a clear mask is very important. Um, so that will be coming more from a developmental and a speech perspective um, where we, we bring that information in. Um, okay, so then if the mom tested positive, but she can still breastfeed, continue breastfeeding because here's our evidence. The virus not detected in amniotic fluid, not in cord blood, not in neonatal throat swabs, and um, also not in breast milk after the first breastfeeding. Okay, so if the mom have symptoms, isolate them both at home. Again, wear a mask, avoid the transmission, and do not cough and sneeze over the baby because that's the way that the baby can get it. But looking at the benefits of breastfeeding and the protective actions, we can still see that even if the baby get exposed to the virus, most probably the antigens in the mom's uh, milk will then create a, um, a response in the baby, immune response, and the baby will be protected against that. So important, don't mix feed. Continue with breastfeeding only. Um, Okay, severe symptoms, it will be going to the same. But if the mom is then too ill to breastfeed, what do we do there? So then we're going to express and give the baby that milk. And, and here we need to become a bit practical. So how do we now get the milk from the mother that's positive and exposed and sick to the baby that's healthy and we don't want that contamination? So we know that the virus can remain on surfaces for quite a period of time. So how do we prevent that? So the mum will decant into a clean container held by a healthy person to, to rent, prevent transmission via the containers and the surfaces. So again, wear a mask during expression, ask a healthy person to feed the baby. And if they have to be separated, um, there must be a trained mental health and psychosocial support for the mothers. And we forget that part. This is as um, traumatic for a mother as having a baby in the neonatal ICU because I can't be with my baby and I can't soothe my baby. And that influenced milk production as well. So just to get back to how do we do this? So mum will express in a clean container in her area. And then as soon as she expressed, there will be a second person holding a clean cup. So mum will have her cup. She will decant into the clean cup, the clean person, will then close the air cap and put it into a, another clean bag. And that clean bag will then go to the baby or to the hospital, wherever the baby may be. And probably at the hospital, they will decant again. 
so that we must make sure that it's only the milk that's transferred and there's no risk for surface um, infections that happens. Okay. All right. Um, so there's some nice ideas on expressing and it's really the things that we usually do, work clean. Okay, disinfect, don't share equipment, rinse all equipment, sterilize. So the only big thing is, yeah, now we sterilize after each use instead of once in 24 hours, which would be usually suitable. The general measures is your personal hygiene um, and your environmental hygiene and your social distance. So nothing of this really changes. It remains the same that all of we have, all of us have to do. But I think very important is the mental health of mothers. Um, that isolation can be very detrimental. So we need to work on that. Okay, so, so there's some guidelines that you can use. The discussion then, all of what I said now is coming in here. Where's the evidence? Where do we get it from? Um, which authorities also supported that? What studies do we have and know and so on? So the, the conclusions you can see, we said see-through masks would be your definite, your first choice. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, then just wear a mask and um, just make sure that your baby is safe. Then I think that the important part, like you said, we want the evidence to be usable in practice. So how do we get about that? So if you just scroll down on the article after the references and so forth, and there's all this extra information. And unfortunately, they've put it very low in the <laughs> article, so you may miss it. Low enough so that I missed it. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so we have additional two additional files, which we like an algorithm, which we um, presented. And I think this for me is maybe the important part of the article because it's something that you can use in your home or in your practice or in the hospital. So these two algorithms, they look like this. If, the, if I make them smaller, they will look like this. There we go. Um, then you can't see. So there's a breastfeeding and COVID guide for the healthcare professionals. So how do we go about? Does the mother have the symptoms? So here are some of the symptoms we know of no then just continue breastfeeding and protect yourself if she has then take additional infection control precautions which is in any way the same wash your hands avoid touching the face cover the nose and the mouth when you are sneezing or coughing don't allow anyone who is ill to visit the mother and infant but that's something you in any way should implement for new babies yeah. avoid crowds and consider self-isolation so we will in any way avoid crowds with new babies, but self-isolation will then be added. And this is where the mental health come in. So how can we support this mother, even though she's very much on her own, because it can be very stressful for her. And then get your information from trusted sources only. Okay, so Dr. Google have huge benefits, but uh, compare what you get there. Okay, and then, Keep the mum and the baby together because we know that the, the, the virus is not transferred via the breast milk. And if the mums are unable to breastfeed, we're going to, to um, express and ensure safe skin to skin and rooming in. So keep the mother and the baby together. So that's a summary for the healthcare professionals and then a similar summary to the mums. Um, so we just made the language a little bit easier to understand. It's not very different, really. Um, but talking to the mum, uh, if milk, if expressing milk, if you are too ill or separated from your baby, this is how you do it, and continue safe skin to skin or rooming in.
So the bottom line is in a COVID or endemic a pandemic like COVID, which is a respiratory transmission, although the the, path, the pathophysiology is not respiratory only, there's a lot of other things taking a role, but the transmission is respiratory. Um, we're going to do good trans, uh, respiratory health and infection control. We're going to try and keep the mother and the baby together because we know at the end of the day, the benefits of breast milk is outweighing the risk of potentially getting the virus from breastfeeding. So that is the bottom line. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Um, I want to pick up on just one or two little, little really interesting little nuggets that I found in there. Uh, one was definitely in your discussion, which I really liked, and that was kind of the crux of it for me, was continued breastfeeding and zero separation of mother and infant diet appears to be best practice in this situation. That kind of really just drew everything in for me. Uh, because that zero separation is the other side. You know, I've been with Doc Nils Bergman enough to know that I've had it printed on my frontal lobe. I think by now <laughs> that 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 is the way. Because there's the the benefits. You nothing is going to outweigh that benefit of that development. So I really really loved that 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 was. In and I, I think the practical part is where it becomes difficult. So if mom makes a choice on where she's going to birth, more moms are asking me, should I birth in a hospital? Because can my husband be there? And can we be together? So that is something that moms need to discuss beforehand with a facility where they're going to give birth. Um, and it can be done that mom and dad and the baby can be in the facility and isolated there in their little bubble mm -hmm. for two or three days, and then they can all go home. So the, the, the principle is, we don't want dad going in and out because he can then be the risk of transmitting the virus. But yeah. if he and mom is a unit with the baby and they remain a unit, then you isolate that and then you, you, you decrease the risk of infecting anybody else. So moms, I think, can safely birth in a hospital environment, but they need to have this discussion beforehand to make sure that that will be the way that they can be treated when they're giving birth. So I suppose that just follows on to the whole paper that there are these protocols that we can find within the not the non-normal. There are yes. protocols that we can kind of almost be able to wedge in there and go, good, if you create the bubble, we can safely have that experience and everyone can get the benefit out of that experience. Absolutely. But certain measures yes. have to be taken to facilitate that, to be able to have it happen. Yes. And I think if we just go back to normal infection control protocols, then we shouldn't have much of a risk. It's just keep to the things that we've put in place in any way to prevent infections. Um, and, and then it should be fine. Look, I think that's one thing this paper, this paper definitely does for me um, is that it's you it's common sense. A lot of it is yes. new common sense that we've learned through these things, but still holding on to old things that we knew, yeah. like breastfeeding uh, has all these wonderful benefits. And then adding on the kind of pu putting that information we really know well and throwing it into the COVID information, which we're learning yes. and going, hang on a second, don't throw everything out. 
We know these things are good, but how do we make that happen? And like you say, you've still got infection control. You're still using masks because we know it's respiratory, so you don't want to be blowing onto baby's face. However, on the developmental side, the mask is fine, but a see-through mask at least allows for communication. Um, so many of these steps that I think if moms just had, they could go, fine, okay, now I know. Mm -hmm. But to go home and then maybe to get diagnosed with COVID and then they go, what do I do? And they phone auntie whoever and auntie whoever goes, no, 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 you must stop because, you know, I heard that this rather have an evidence-based voice in your ear going, hang on a second, auntie Absolutely. is very scared for you. That's why you're getting that information. Here's the real information. And we yes. can... Another point that I suppose the geek in me really took out of this, which I thought was fascinating, was that it's likely that the SARS-CoV-2 RNA that was found um, in that in the breast milk doesn't contain replication competent virus, which is quite interesting. So they find it, but it's potentially an, a, a virus that actually doesn't have the ability to replicate. Yes, and and I I must think uh, we must contribute that to the breastfeeding um, characteristics or the breast milk characteristics, that the breast milk basically inactivates the virus. There was actually a paper that came out just after we've published, um, and I'll have to search for it. We where they actually looked at what does breast milk actually do to the virus, and if I remember correctly, it actually did inactivate the virus. So they've used breast milk in the lab and put it onto the virus and, and then the, the virus was deactivated. Okay, I'm gonna make so, a deal with you. If yeah. you find that, please, please pass it on to me because that, that sounds fascinating. Yes, it, it, was, it was lab um, research, um, but it was in the process. So I will definitely look at that again. Fantastic. Um, I did wanna ask, I had a question on Facebook. One of the, one of the members of the group asked, now, if you have a mom that is gonna get vaccinated, what happens to breastfeeding in that scenario? And remember, um, we're in um, unknown territory. Mm. So like I say, when we've published, so we wrote the article in Feb or March or somewhere. It was published in September, which is not bad. Um, it was quite quick for an article being published. But then already um, on the publication date, there was already new evidence. That came. Mm. I remember that that's the caution I want to bring because this thing is moving so quickly, we get new evidence every day. And because the whole world is working on it, um, we actually need uh, artificial in intelligence to, to get all the information, to yeah. understand all the information. It's just too much. But what we know at the moment is that um, breastfeeding is protecting the baby. Um, if the mom is getting immunized, she gets the anti-agents, um, uh, anti, uh, antigen A, which then goes into the breast milk. So the anti-infective factors then goes into the breast milk. But the virus itself, it's not a live virus that's been used in the immunization. So the virus don't get into the breast milk and it doesn't seem to cross the breast milk in any way. So the baby gets the immune factors, the immune benefit from the immunization. So um, the baby is then also protected against the virus when the mom is being immunized. So that is what we understand at the moment. So the baby get the immune protection and the anti-A, oh, another job. Sorry, now my English is, is gone. So, <laughs> so the baby gets the immune response. 
from the virus and the baby don't get the virus itself. So the evidence at the moment suggests that it is safe and actually suggested that mums who are breastfeeding can get the immunisation. Okay, so that's, our, so that's our current evidence at the moment. That's our current evidence. We don't have a lit review on that. We don't have lab studies because we can't do research on pregnant and breastfeeding mums. But from the evidence of, um, for example, they took healthcare workers who's working in any way and have to get the immunisation but are also breastfeeding and frontline workers. So they took those people from the population and looked at what's happening with them if they got the immunization and they are breastfeeding. And from that evidence, so from the practical evidence, it seems that the babies are getting the benefit and they're not getting the virus. Um, so it's not lab studies, but it is from the from practical environment. Wonderful, wonderful. As per usual, Prof, thank you so, so much for spending your time with us. It's amazing to be able to talk through these things with you. You just bring such a <clears throat> uh, such a, a depth of understanding, you know, because I can read this, but to actually have you to bounce a couple of things off is like is 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 an incredible thing. So thank you. Thank you for your time. It's a it's pleasure. And it's great to hear that. And I'm glad that you found the article. And I do hope it will make a difference in practices and not only in breastfeeding. So if the mum and the baby come into your practice, how should I manage that? So mm -hmm. understanding where the evidence, what the principles are, will help us as healthcare workers in any way to make informed decisions and have some critical thinking about that and just apply the basic principles. And I think in that way we can have safe practices. Wonderful. Wonderful. Prof, thank you very much for your time. I'm sure I will bug you again soon <laughs> to, to come on and share with us. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me and have a great day. Love you. Bye.